Welcome to First Formation, a weekday podcast for high church lowlifes like me, Logan Isaac, looking to get the fuck up and pray. This is where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. A podcast for anyone who cares for soldiers and veterans enough to follow us into the mud and the suck. To hear the good news through grunts and with grunts, in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 119, verses 65 through 72. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was humbled, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The arrogant smear me with lies, but with my whole heart I keep your precepts. Their hearts are fat and gross, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was humbled, so that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Isaiah chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. For the Lord of hosts has a day against all that is proud and lofty against all that is lifted up and high, against all the cedars of Lebanon, lofty and lifted up, and against all the oaks of Bashan, against all the high mountains and against all the lofty hills, against every, low t- uh, against every high tower and against every fortified wall, against all the ships of Tarshish and against all the beautiful craft. The haughtiness of people shall be humbled, and the pride of everyone shall be brought low, and the Lord alone will be exalted on that day. Titus chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Paul, a servant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and knowledge of the truth that is in accordance with godliness, in the hope of eternal life that God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, in due time he revealed his word through the proclamation with which I have been trusted by the command of God our Savior. To Titus, my loyal child in the faith we share grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. I left you behind in Crete for this reason, so that you should put in order what remained to be done, and should appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Someone who is blameless, married only once, whose children are believers, not accused of debauchery and not rebellious. For a bishop, as God's steward, must be blameless. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or addicted to wine or violent or greedy for gain. But he must be hospitable, a lover of goodness, prudent, upright, devout, and self-controlled. He must have a firm grasp of the word that is trustworthy in accordance with the teaching, so that he may be able to both preach with sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict it. Good morning and welcome to the 13th Tuesday after Pentecost. Uh, This morning, uh, our reading from Psalm 119 is followed by a very brief uh, litany from Isaiah 2. It's almost almost like a running cadence, like it could be a call and response. It's against this and against that. It almost has this kind of left-right kind of 
um, tempo to it. Um, And then finally from Titus, uh, Paul's letter to Titus. Um, I can't remember if this is doubted or not. I don't think it is. I think it's pretty solidly uh, uh, understood to be Paul's letter. Um, And we have the salutation and the greeting at first. Um, And the meat of what he's telling Titus in this selection, at least, is who should lead, who should be leaders in these different um, churches and synagogues they're setting up. I say synagogues because they're still, they still understand themselves to be a part of the Jewish traditions and, and values and faith, even if they believe that something unique has happened in, in Jesus Christ. Um, but the, the split is coming, and Paul probably sees it. Um, and in that case, uh, who it is that is in charge and of what is a question that um, new bodies and new institutions always wrestle with. So during the American Revolution, uh, when uh, the Church of England still had a whole lot of power in the colonies, many of the priests were required to take loyalty oaths to King George. And um, many of them didn't do it. Some of them did. Um, but many of them did not. And then when we won our independence in um, 1789, I can't remember, um, when we did finally win our independence, the question of leadership came up uh, in the church. So these bishops and priests now could not be or would not be ordained bishops um, by the Church of England because you know there's a lot riding on the, the English... Uh, priests and, and bishops um, and, and loyalty to the king that had just lost this war against them. So we went to the Episcopal Church, the Anglican Church at the time. Um, we went to Scotland to ordain a bishop to then um, con- carry out apostolic succession so that um, the Anglican Church here in the United States could still claim uh, apostolic succession all the way back to Peter. Um, and Paul covers the qualities of, of, a, of a good a bishop and an elder. An elder um, is typically seen as the equivalent of a Pharisee. They, were, they had their own congregations. They kind of were off. They're semi-autonomous. Um, they answered to uh, the Pharisees answered to the Sanhedrin. Elders do answer to bishops, and we'll talk about them in a moment. Um, but they had they were individual leaders of a flock. One one shepherd of a synagogue or a church or a, a you know a, a body, a Christian body in a city. And then bishops would kind of organize the the elders or the priests, and they also had certain characteristics that Paul thought uh, should be considered. Uh, they need to be blameless can't be arrogant or quick-tempered. They shouldn't be drunkards um, or violent or, or um, opportunists. They need to be hospitable. They need to love good and be wise, upright and devout and self-controlled. Um, and they also are given the task of both preaching sound doctrine, which the elders might do, but also refuting those who contradict it. And so um, the, the problem of heresy as it began to develop in the early church after Paul's time, it was up to the bishops to uh, argue against it publicly. The elders, or the priests, 
They also should be blameless. They should only have been married once, and they should have families who are also believers. Um, if they're accused of debauchery or if they're rebellious, then they could be disqualified. Um, and uh, the Paul's letter goes on. Um, the short selection just focuses on the qualities of uh, elders and bishops in the church. Um, and I don't know, with the exception of children being believers, most of these are also um, just general qualities of um, sound leadership. So I'm thinking of like, you know, officers, um, blameless, married only once. Uh, they shouldn't be debaucherous or rebellious. Um, or um, field grade commanders instead of bishops. Don't be arrogant, quick-tempered. Don't be drunkards, violent or, or opportunists. Be hospitable, love the good, be wise and upright and, and devout, self-controlled. Um, so these seem to me to be generally good characteristics for a leader um, uh, in any body um, that isn't you know, ruled by you know, an iron fist, that rules by trust and, and um, real authority, not just power. But when I say authority, I mean um, somebody who commands respect not by forcing it from people, but by being the kind of person that other people want to respect and, and are inspired by. Um, and so I think, I don't know that very much is, is all that original here in Paul, um, but it is important to, to think about the qualities of leadership and how they intersect both in, uh, between the military and the church. Um, I think there's a lot that um, leadership training that the military offered um, there's a lot of good that I think that can be done by offering it and expecting it of church leaders. You know, what, you know, I'm not saying that your your pastor should go to PLDC, um, but the the expectations for um, leaders often vary so widely between churches. Some don't have very many. Some have a whole lot, um, and I think the diversity helps us see the many different ways in which leadership and, and traditions can play a part in leading congregations. Um, but I think there also is something to be said about the unity that the military um, inspires or kind of constructs so well. When I was thinking of doctrine, while well, I'm thinking, you know, the field manuals and different uh, standard operating procedures, you have to be able to preach that as an officer um, and refute those who contradict it but you also have to abide by it. Uh, so this morning, um, I encourage my listeners to think about leadership and um, what it means to be a person that other people want to look to and do look to for inspiration and guidance and the way in which those qualities um, can be very similar both in the church and in the military. Proper 17, from the Book of Common Prayer. Lord of all power and might, the author and giver of all good things, graft in our hearts the love of your name, increase in us true religion, nourish us with all goodness, and bring forth in us the fruit of good works. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.
Thank you for falling in to First Formation, where PPUHQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash firstformation slash support. You can sponsor morning prayer for Pew Pew people with as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a weekday lectionary reading yourself and sending it to me to be included in an episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts will be provided to you directly, and you don't have to be a grunt to participate in first formation in this or any way. Finally, and most importantly, you can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with a recording app of your choice. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, aired anonymously, if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in morning prayers for Pew Pew people. I hope you'll continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.